0: out the myths, misinformation, and B.S.
1: in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the world, Woodstock, New York, this is the podcast pulling back the curtain on the natural products industry. We are here, Dana, me, this is what we're doing. Hi. And we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, man. We're going to talk about coronavirus. We're going to talk about my weight loss uh, journey because I got to stop being, you know, a big mouth when it comes to cookies. And um, we also want to talk about a little bit of the the mental wellness stuff. I think I want to mm. touch on that a little bit. But um, So first and foremost, WoodstockVitamins.com. That's our website for... Uh, best in class supplements, and also, uh, you know, my blog where I put all this stuff. So, uh, I just wrote a blog about my uh, blood pressure problems. I think we touched on it a little bit last week that we I had did. some blood pressure problems. So, I've got some follow up and some information that I want to go over. So, we'll do
0: that. So, that is exciting, wild stuff.
1: It is exciting. So, first and foremost, COVID, mm. right? It's surging. <laughs> yes. We talked about it last week, right? How it's going up.
0: Was that just last week?
1: Just last week. One week ago, um, we talked that the numbers were surging and now we have much more specific and crazy information. I had just posted to our social media accounts that Texas, Arizona, Florida in one 24 hour period had around 9,400 cases, mm. something like that. Yeah, And that was on a population of about 57 million. And if you compare that to Europe, Europe, a uh, few countries in Europe, there was 325 million I listed, and they had about 340 cases. Oh, so 9,000 versus 340. And so they're doing what you're supposed to be doing in Europe and in America we're not. I mean, there. a lot of people will like to like throw up all the different suggestions of what it could possibly be. People are blaming the pro- uh, protests, which of course should happen. We, we had a mass gathering of people, but um, in states where they're testing, or I guess screening for the protest? Did you mm-hmm. go to the protest? You know, somebody that went to the protest, like it's very minimal, the effect.
0: That was actually addressed in uh, Cuomo's uh, uh, briefing this morning okay. where he was saying, you know, the, or actually it was it was one of the recent ones. I know he brought it up this morning, but specifically about the protests, he was saying that they'd opened up even more testing sites. He's urging everyone who went to the protest to get screened. And then I believe today he was saying how our numbers still aren't spiking. Mm
1: -hmm. These protests
0: have been going on for weeks. We've got all sorts of testing sites set up and our numbers are still not spiking. Mm -hmm. And we saw the majority of protesters wearing masks, Mm -hmm. which means that the masks make the difference. Yeah.
1: Big time. And you know, being outside of course is, is another big variable, but the masks are helping. And it sucks because I was one of those people at the beginning when people were walking around talking about masks, I'm like the masks aren't going to help you now, you know. Right. Staying home is what's going to help you. And that is definitely true. Staying home is definitely better than masks. But based on the information that we had at the time, which was masks don't protect the wearer. They but we didn't know that other side that the masks are going to protect the other person, especially if everybody does it. How radically it drops transmission. We also thought though, that you can get coronavirus from your packages and your boxes and cardboard and stuff like that. So this is the thing is that uh, information changes over time and we have to kind of go with that.
0: Yeah. I Mm -hmm. actually just watched a video from Dr. Mike on YouTube, Mm -hmm. who is the new love of my life. Dr. Drew, you're over. Dr. Mike Mike is my new love. (laughs) Well, he actually, he walked it back. He said that we didn't know at the time. And I've I've seen a lot of (laughs) yeah, I
1: knew, <laughs> yeah, knew he. He knew, you know. Yeah, but,
0: um, but but Dr. Mike said the same thing. He's like, I stand by what I said because that's the information we had at the time. And the mm-hmm. thing about so, the thing about science mm-hmm. is that it's constantly evolving. And so now we know. And so now I say, wash your hands, wear masks, yeah. try to stay home as often as possible. And I think that's the honorable thing to do. And obviously, you're saying the same thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. I it's mean. Just, You know, it's evolving.
1: It's what's supposed to happen. And, you know, part of the information about masks was a little bit of propaganda. That was just uh, released this week that Fauci said that a lot of the the mask sentiment was based on the fact that we didn't want to use up our supplies. So that's a twofold problem. Why don't we have enough supplies? And two, why wouldn't you just say... Use anything, and that goes to the idea that you need the masks needed to be a certain grade before we would actually use them. So, right. um, so yeah, so the the mask thing seems to be working. So we're going to open up our pharmacy again. We're I'm confident now that we can open up the pharmacy and not have a, an issue, you know, with any of our patients. So I'm happy about that. Um, so what I want to talk about because we've talked about on the blog and maybe here um, your risk. So how much of a risk am I for getting COVID? And now we know, you know, it's, it's the number or frequency or like duration of time that you spend with people of unknown COVID status, right? Right? So somebody that works in retail front lines, dealing with a ton of people, randoms all day, every day, that's a high risk person, a medical professional, even more so, you know, so all of these people are, are high risk. But if you've been at your house, and you've just been with you and the people that you live with, your risk is zero, nothing, right? Yeah. If you go to the grocery store, that's a um, it's a, a risk scenario, but you can be low risk by wearing your mask and turning on through, right? So then what's the risk of the place? So of the places that we go, of the places that we visit, they have a risk factor too because of the same thing. What's the risk that a bar will have uh, – COVID versus what's the risk that Neil's pharmacy will have COVID? What's the risk of you playing golf? Right. So the not only do we have to manage our own individual risks and the people we we bring close now that we, we're expanding that circle, but then what's the risk of the places that we're doing it in? And in general, of course, the the recommendation that I have for everybody is mingle with low risk people in low risk environments. Yeah. Period end of sentence, right? And it seems that the science is pointing towards um basically being inside for extended periods without masks is the highest risk that you can possibly be. Right. And, uh, you know, add in the circulation. So if, if, if it's inside, meaning like completely closed off, no good circulation throughout versus a place that's like open air and there's air moving, that's a different scenario. Right. So we can almost kind of like striate the the risks. Right. Yeah. So, and say like we have really high risk stuff and, and really low risk stuff. So, um, it seems that The lowest risk, like you're just saying with the protests, the lowest risk seems to be outside space from other people with a mask on. That seems to be the absolute lowest risk because those micro boogies aren't getting suspended in the air, or if they are, there's just so much air that it doesn't really matter. Mm. So. Um, I found this graphic and you know, supposedly it's coming from a few doctors that are uh, epidemiologists and they kind of put together the, the COVID nineteen risk levels. It's tinyurl.com slash C19 risk. If you want to look at the graphic that we have, we'll put it in the show notes too. And th- to be honest with you, like I was watching dudes like argue back and forth about the legitimacy of this. <laughs> I send it to you so you yep. can see it too. So um so you know, like, Oh, well, why is camping number three instead of being number two? And I don't think that's the point. I think the point is, is that this is a way for you to kind of get an idea for that, um, nuance in, in this again, outside open air, less people that are low risk is going to be the safest possible thing. That's the bottom. That's like if you're playing tennis, for example, that's going to be a low risk thing because the other guys all the way over there and that, yeah, you're like screaming at each other, making those weird noises, but it's not going to be a major deal. Um, you know, if you're outside, but you're with other people, that's a low risk too. The highest risk being of course, bars, stadiums, concerts, right? That's going to be a high risk environment, whether it's outside or not, because there's just so many people. And there's a lot of public shared stuff that you're touching.
0: Sure, I'm surprised where buffets are listed, though they're at number eight. I would have put. Could them Could you nine.
1: imagine a Las Vegas strip club buffet after coronavirus? Oh my! Uh, I, <laughs> I was just thinking about that Las Vegas strip club buffet. Like that is the yeah. that's worse than an airplane <laughs> toilet. I think.
0: Oh God. <laughs> yeah, probably.
1: Uh, all right. So yeah, so uh, buffets are very high risk because multiple people. Varied status, shared stuff that we're touching. Yeah. Because it's not just about the stuff that we're breathing from a droplet standpoint. Those micro droplets get on our hands, get on the things we touch, and then they persist. So, and it's fast use. It's not like it's being cleaned after every use. So, the not, door handle at the store, you know, that's going to be an issue. You're yeah. going to have to clean that every 15 minutes or so. And you yeah. should wash your hands after you touch that. It's not like people are going to go to the buffet, use the spoon, and then wash their hands, and then they're good. Well, I was going to
0: say, and not only that, you're indoors. Yep. So, mm-hmm. you're eating. Obviously, with no mask on, I, I just—that's the only thing I take issue with here—is buffets. You feel buffets I think,
1: should be worse? Yeah, buffets I, I should mean, go higher. Just, and just anywhere anybody, where
0: you're indoors, you just don't
1: agree with people eating at buffets in general.
0: Uh, listen, I love the Mid Hudson buffet. I can't—I'm <laughs> oh, no. a fat chick. I can't pretend like I don't love a buffet. <laughs> yeah, but under the circumstances, I think no, I would never go to one right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, number seven: schools.
0: Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Well, that's, I was looking at all of this mm-hmm. and that's why I said anything that's indoors, yeah. I would say that's all up at nine. And, and this is going to be a huge issue when, mm-hmm. you know, the fall semester comes back around and I know everyone's trying to figure out what the issue is, but it's still to me sending your kids to school. If you don't have to, you know, it's bad idea, it's, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I Mrs. Wouldn't. Big Mouth and I decided that we're going to hold the kids back if uh, if there's not a vaccine. We're going to homeschool them yeah. uh, for as long as we can, or hopefully, you know, the school sent around a survey like, "What are you going to do? Are you going to bring your kids or you're not? And what can make us feel better?" And my wife's like, "Nothing. There's nothing that you guys could do to make us feel better about a pandemic." <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. like there's nothing that we can do. So the you know the like, best. Thanks for
0: the effort. Yeah, but. I
1: appreciate the thought, but yeah. So we're not going to send our kids back. We're going to because we can. I mean, that's nice. We can we have that freedom to to do that. I do know that, um, like the engagement rate in some of these schools is very low, like 25% of kids participating in online classes, even though it's only like an hour or two a day, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's truly the obstacle that they have to figure out because to me, it's not, you know, whether or not we're going to open school, I say, no, not this year. Yeah. Figure out a better alternative because we know that a lot of kids are in, you know, like Abusive households and they're, they just don't really have the option to focus. And that's, that, you know, that's a societal shortcoming that we have to fix now. Right. Along with all the other stuff we're trying to fix right now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there's a lot of stuff going on, but at least Aunt Jemima's gone, right? I mean, like, it's pretty nuts how. Effective, this most recent campaign has been.
0: I, I love it. I love it so much. I didn't realize how misanthropic I had become until we all came together to support this. And it's like, it's just filled my heart with so much joy.
1: And so I have Jew, I'm not a Jew. Yeah. I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm a little bit Jew, right? A bit I, Jew. My, my grandparents were Jewish, and um, my family escaped Russia mm-hmm. during the slaughters, you know? Yeah, and so mine I, too. I've got that whole background, right? And so you're you're a Jewish woman, and uh, so on, yeah, yeah. So like the this idea of oppression and such, like it rings true. So like we, you know, not everybody has a passion towards it, but like you know, for me, I get that little pit in my stomach. I'm like, oh crap, here they come. You know. Well, the, the,
0: the thing with the uh, uh, the neighborhood in D.C. when all of those protesters were kettled by the police and the residents of mm-hmm. the uh, White
1: area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, and they they like brought everyone into their homes. I was like, mm-hmm. this is starting to sound way too familiar. I don't like this one bit. I
1: know, it's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one guy hid like 60 reporters yes, or something yeah. like that. Or the protesters. Indian guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So great. Yeah, and so uh, while we're talking on the social issue, I think that uh, I will comment and say that one of the things that really upset me is the idea of Cuomo making Juneteenth a holiday. And not because it's... I'm a racist. (laughs) Of course not. It's because I don't effing remember learning about it. It It's probably one of the most important days in American history to be honest and fair. And I have no recollection of it. My wife paid attention in history and she said she has no recollection of it at all. And it's disgusting uh, that that's our education. So I just think that it speaks a lot that the education to the population is so inconsistent. So this applies to my world, wellness and such, because I don't want to just turn it into a social podcast hearing Neil's political and social ramblings, but this applies because the, the way that information can be spun to support a narrative or to suppress an alternative or the truth is disgusting. And this is what we deal with all the time in the natural products industry. Anything that has to do with pharmaceutical companies being bad is brought to the light and shined. And like, that is the, 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 the linchpin, like that's the reason that you need to use natural products. You can't use these pharmaceutical drugs, right? And then on the other side is that anytime something bad about the natural products industry happens, it gets buried. And, you know, we have this tendency to be okay with that. And I think one of the things that we should do during this time of civil unrest is to stop that nonsense. Let's get the information out and make sure it's verified and validated and just be able to see the information and stop with this editorial crap. This is perfect place for an editorial. You come here for me rambling and ranting. That's editorial. I'm not pretending like I'm the fact maker or the fact keeper here. I'm going to try to be responsible, but it's editorial. You know that. Um, so when it comes to these facts, they sh- there should be you know, um, a, a commitment, I think, you know, uh, on all sides to want to see the real truth and have access to, it. I think one of the most valuable books that I can't wait to give my kids is what I didn't, what my high school teacher didn't uh, teach me. I think mm-hmm. that's the, what it's called. And it goes through literally all the common American history stuff that is completely wrong. You know, yeah. Well,
0: you know, there's another podcast that I uh, really love. It's called "Stuff You Miss in History Class." Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. from the How Stuff Works brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the those ladies do a great job. I yeah. love that show.
1: And that's that's what we want. So we want better information. But anyway, so so on this risk level thing, it seems that you know, obviously being uh, outside and wearing a mask and staying distant is going to be the safest safest, and in being inside without a mask, it's going to be a problem. And as we've seen, Florida, Texas, Arizona, the places where this is. Uh, cycling up. They reopened. The, the governor is just maybe now suggesting that it's okay to do masks in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it's it's barely even mentioned. Some cities are going to mandate it, but good luck with that. Like yeah. the, the thing about the numbers that's so upsetting to me is that we have responded to this poorly. The numbers seem like they're trending down, but that's only because you're taking New York City region out of the conversation. New York City was a very strong anomaly because of the density and it's a world hub. So it put the numbers up high, but essentially we've been literally plateaued at this in- as astronomical amount considering everywhere else isn't that hub, right? Yeah. And it has the potential to scale back up. You know, somebody talks about flattening the curve while well, we're flattening in a straight line upwards towards the sky. And, uh, <laughs>
0: they didn't say which way they wanted the r- curve to go. Right.
1: And, uh, and so at this point, we had been locked down when the cases were high like this. And I mean, I think, what do we have? Like 8,000 cases a day was like our peak. Yeah. So they're at 9,000 for this area. That's approximately, you know, like double the size of New York. Uh, so 8,000 cases a day, um, which is a lot, obviously. And they're not locked down. They're still doing what they're doing. So yeah. we have an ugly. Three weeks at least coming up and they they they're going to have to lock down. And I'm so sick of the narrative of the idea of liberties and, and all of that other stuff. It's 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 such a, a, a perplexing argument that this is some sort of libertarian insult to people. Yeah. You know, the idea yeah. that that we're we're trying to oppress people. This isn't oppression. This is us saying, let's be respectful of our fellow man and and stay home and stop spreading this horrible thing. Even if they rolled back and said, listen, we're going to try to implement New York stuff now. We're going to put everybody in masks, mandatory, 100% compliance, and we're going to stop with bars and everything from being open right now, unless curbside, that would make a big dent in it. But I don't think that's going to happen either. I think it's just going to get ugly. And it stinks because I'm worried about the people that don't want to deal with this. And I'm worried about the people uh, that are working in the hospitals are going to get steamrolled. So just stinks. So,
0: You know, Um, uh, I read an article earlier today, which speaks to what you were talking about before about, uh, you know, mistrust and latching on to, um, you know, like one little instance. And this is maybe conversely, uh, but it speaks to that narrative, which is that as far as testing a vaccine goes, there is full on reluctance from the African-American community because of the Tuskegee Airmen yeah. mm-hmm. thing. And I, I'm I don't imagine that any of our listeners don't know what that is, but mm-hmm. basically if I were black, I would not I wouldn't participate in that either. I completely understand where they're coming from.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's okay to be skeptical about Clinical trials, but I think things have changed a lot since then. Well, I would it, hope so. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I, I just yeah. saying mm-hmm. that I
0: understand why they would be nervous. Yeah, I empathize
1: with everybody with their their nerve. I un- I am understand that people are concerned that their liberties are being stripped away. That is a concern that we should have. We are in a democracy. We should be concerned of maintaining a democracy. But the truth is, is that, and this is again political stuff. We're going to drop it in a minute. <laughs> That stuff's that's sh- that ship has sailed. We are we are f- moving far away from a real democracy, and all I would care for is to get back to that. But anyway, yeah. Um, so I was talking about my weight loss journey last week, and in my most recent blog article, I wanted to talk about a couple things. First and foremost, I'm down seven and a half pounds oh, in just muscle. a week and a half, just because of reducing carbs. Probably, carbohydrates are stored as glycogen in the body. Glycogen has a water molecule attached to it that's what they call water weight. So when you reduce your carbs dramatically, it'll also reduce your water weight. So when we had Rob on, we were talking about sports nutrition, we were talking about your carb stores. So when you're exercising a lot, if you're hungry and you exercise, you have got about like 1400 calories that you can pull from essentially stored around your liver and throughout your body. And then that will also cause a big loss of weight. So you have to rehydrate after. And that's normally why they have to have carbs all during the workout. That's why Gatorade has sugar in it and stuff mm. like that, just to keep those carb stores there. Because if you deplete those, then you slam against the wall. But anyway, I've been saying a bunch that this isn't a weight loss journey. Uh, I don't want to frame it that way. I, I say that way to get everybody's attention, but really that's what it is. It's like It has more to do with the fact that my life's really undisciplined, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as I've stressed a bunch of times in the podcast here, and uh, I'm making unhealthy choices that are greatly increasing my risk of disease both now and then diseases later, all which will make me die earlier. Yeah. So that's what's going on, right? So it's not that I'm doing this to lose weight. I'm really just doing this to be disciplined is really what I'm doing. I'm choosing discipline from what I've been doing before, like here on out. So like the weight side of it isn't a vanity thing. I'm just basically saying, this is what a healthy weight should be for me. And this is where I should be anyway. So I need to get back to that. So eventually I'll get there. So, and that's important when you got, when you're talking about wellness and trying to be healthier, we get fixated on these objective measures that really don't matter. What matters is how you feel and what your risks are. Right. And, um, so, you know, with weight loss, I just tell people, focus on the longer term plan and make your boundaries and your guidelines fit a longer term plan and you will have much greater results. It took me, not too long to put on a bunch of weight on. I went pretty hardcore. Um, but for the most part, I haven't been at my fighting weight since basically I opened my businesses 15 years ago. Wow. So, you know, there was like a year before my daughter Aria was born in 2013 that I was back down to like two Oh five two hundred ten. Um, but that was about it. You know, then yeah. my wife's pregnant. So I'm eating like all the crap that she's eating. So, right. um, so it's been a long time. So it's, it's really like, it's, this has been festering for a bit. So it really takes time to, to do this. So, and so discipline is important to understand because it's a lot of work, right? Yeah. That's what most people say. Well, when you're talking about doing this correctly, there's just so much work to do and I just don't want to do it, right? So for example, um, peanut butter, I got a jar of peanut butter right next to me and I got mm-hmm. a little spoon, right? And if we look at the label, it says two tablespoons is one serving and it's 190 calories. And so to lose weight, you have to take in less calories than you burn, yeah. right? So uh, that's simple. Calories in, calories out. So how dare I <laughs> use the 190 that's on that bottle if I don't know how to measure out exactly two tablespoons as they did, right? Could you take that spoon that I have there and measure out two tablespoons? <laughs>
0: No, I'd probably end up with closer to four because by the time I'm hitting the peanut butter, I'm pretty hungry and just trying not to overeat at like, you know, 1230 at night.
1: Right. And so, you know, our confidence in the serving sizes has to go away when we're doing this. And, and that's important because I always tell people when we're doing weight and nutrition stuff is that, yes, we have these calorie goals, but you have to really overestimate the calories you're eating and underestimate the calories, your calorie goal, like what what the number is. So um, so for example, my number is technically 2,000 calories a day is what I would need to lose about a pound and a half, right? Uh, Maybe a little bit more, 2,300 to lose a pound and a half. I'm setting my number at 1,900 because of all of these variables that come into play, because of you know, the calculator is just a, a, an estimate anyway, you know, and the food estimates are all an estimate. So it really takes some aggressive work there. Um, and a lot of people go, Oh, this is too much work. You know, like, like I just said, you know, and like, or it's not fair, you know, yeah. it's not fair that I have to do this kind of stuff well, a lot of people just eat and they don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. And that's your little kid brain working, you know, like mm-hmm. you gotta be, you gotta grow up, man. Some people are lucky and they, uh, don't, Have to work hard, but almost all of us have to work hard at this. We have to eat in a regimented manner. So I sure I'm sure I made my point here, um, but I want to use my French press analogy. I've got a French press at home. Do you have one of those?
0: I I know what it is. I don't drink coffee regularly though.
1: French press. It's a way to make coffee. I started drinking coffee because I realized uh, the artificial sweeteners in soda is what in diet sodas is what causes me to have palpitations and arrhythmias. So I can't drink soda anymore because I don't want to drink full test stuff because then I get addicted to sugar and it's 200 calories. And so I need caffeine though, because how the heck else am I going to get through the day? You can tell when I'm drinking coffee and when I'm not right. I sure can. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so I decided and I can't get a freaking coffee because everybody's closed because our liberties are being entrenched, uh, (laughs) uh, encroached upon. So um, I got a French press for Christmas and my wife cooked me up with the, the coffee from my favorite place here in Woodstock, Oriole nine. So, I think that I was being made fun of way too much. And I will tell you why I was telling everybody, I was trying to perfect my procedures, my processes to get the right dose of caffeine. Cause that's essentially what I'm doing is I'm taking a drug here, you know, I'm trying to medicate. So, uh, but do so via coffee. So, uh, I was, <laughs> I would measure stuff out the the method that this Uh, There's a dude on the web that's a big coffee guy. And uh, so his method was essentially you grind your stuff to a a coarse grind. You put it in the bottom of the French press. You pour the water on top, let it sit for four minutes. You stir, take the foam off the top, and then you let it sit for seven more minutes. And then you don't press like everybody does and like stirs all the stuff up. He says just lightly put it into there and then just use it as a filter. So instead of it being a press, it's a filter really is what it is. Mm. So, and it makes, it's awesome. Like it tastes like, like, better than the fresh, br- freshly brewed stuff that I get down the street here. So um, so it's a great method, but I, I had to experiment. And everybody's like, you have to figure out what your ratios are. So I literally had a, a like a, one of those weed scales, but it's not a weed <laughs> scale, it's a posted scale. And uh, I was measuring out my coffee grinds. Yeah, uh, yeah coffee grinds. And uh, and then I was measuring out my water in like a beaker and I was getting the such ratios, right? It's such a nerd. It's such a nerd. And everybody's like, uh, cause I'm like, oh, I'm up to, I think like 18 grams is good to 300 milliliters. <laughs> And everybody, everybody was doing that to me. And I'm like, it's <laughs> not right, it's not right. But now I've made it, and I, so I made about 10 to 15 cups using a very regimented kind of uh, process. And now I can eyeball it. I can really like say, okay, a third cup, of, you know, a few beans short of a third cup, that's about the same weight uh, based on these these uh, coffee beans. And then um, I can see right where the line is where the, the 300 m- mils would be, right? right? And it's like perfect every single time, right? And So when it comes to food, we have to kind of adopt that same thing. Like you will need a long time of regimented measuring uh, and uh, like quantifying of your food and serving. Otherwise it's a mess. I mean, you've probably gone down this path before, right?
0: I am on this path right now. I'm actually down 13 pounds. Oh, Yes. I'm one pound away from having lost 5% of my overall starting mass, which is a big milestone according to some... Uh, weight loss experts Sure, Mm -hmm. and uh, I actually undid some of that because I couldn't take the heat anymore and I got some Ben and Jerry's and it was delicious. So this morning, the scale said that I was back up a few pounds, but I think that that will come off as long as I just go back to my very regimented food intake. And I am one of those people who's struggling with like, I don't feel like doing this. I used to exercise like five days a week. I was in great shape when I was in my 20s. And I just, you know, the, because I put all the weight back on and I'm like, I can't, you know, my, my immature feelings now is like, I just can't go through that again. It was so much work and I'm mad at myself for undoing all of that. But... I am still losing weight just being really careful about what I eat and I am making sure to like at least go for a walk around the neighborhood every day. Yeah. It's so important to get some movement. But yeah, I'm really struggling with motivation to actually exercise. And I the the one thing I've reintroduced into my daily routine because it's available right now is former guest of the show Tara Sanders. She's doing a virtual yoga and mm-hmm. so that's, you know, just one more avenue of exercise just cuz it's fairly easy mm-hmm. and easy to insert into your day. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm struggling and I was really hoping to have lost a lot more weight cause I started this in January, but I'm not, I'm also trying to give myself at least the amount of credit that I deserve for having, yeah. you know, taken some steps in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, making your focus, not about the weight, but more about the healthier choices and such, I think would, would help out a ton. The, the, you know, the regimented behavior though is definitely a part of it, you know, yeah. in order to, to optimize your nutritional goals uh, or your nutritional overall well being, it requires that regimented behavior. You're gonna need to say, okay, well, if blueberries are a, the superfood, if you can call any food superfood, blueberries <laughs> would be one of them. Um, you know, to make sure that you're getting a serving of those every day, like it, that takes regimented behavior. You have to buy it, you have to bag it, you have, you know, clean it, Mm -hmm. bag it, and like, make sure that you take it with you and eat it every single day. So a a lot of it takes thoughtfulness and time and, and all of this other stuff. So I think that back to the French press analogy, it kind of shows you that you have to be so very regimented despite everybody's kind of like chagrin, right? Everybody's Mm going to give you crap about it. Like when you're, when you say, okay, I, I, Friday nights, we eat out, we get takeout and we eat it at the house. I literally have to stand up from the table and walk away because I don't wanna be able to have any of the other stuff and people, and they're like, ah, her, her, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I get that, right? And so, little brats, uh, <laughs> little brats right? And so it's like, um, you know, the idea of just staying on 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 your path, uh, because truly like the, if, if people aren't doing that, it's either like they're probably malnourished period, um, or they're lucky. Yeah. You know, and that's really it. Um, another analogy that I like to do around food talking about this portion of this journey, because this is where my head is at right now is like leasing a car. Mm. Um, have you ever leased a car? I have not. I'm leasing a car right now. So imagine somebody said to you that you can only drive 10,000 miles a year.
0: You yeah. Th-
1: you could say to them, okay, well, you know, I guess I drive less than 10,000. Like how many miles a year do you drive? Do you know that? Like, uh, it would take, takes some math, right? You have to like figure it out, right? Yeah,
0: well, well not right now. There was a time when I was living in Massachusetts and mm-hmm. I would come back here to visit, mm-hmm. I was aware of how many miles I was driving per year. Right now, you know, I can pretty much walk to all my jobs, so right. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> right. So that's the person that can just eat whatever. They yeah. don't have to be conscious of it. They own a car. They, they're just like whatever mileage is whatever mileage, but then you have a lease and you have this strict amount, right? And yeah. so if you just wing it and just drive without consideration, it's December And you're at 14,000 miles and you're only supposed to be at 10. And you're like, oh my goodness, I just went over. Right? And so how do you get those 4,000 miles back? Because you still have to drive. That's the problem. You still need to drive. You have to eat no matter what, whether you're overweight or not. So you have to make up for it. So you have to sacrifice. You have to reduce below what your normal usage would be to not only get to the 10,000, but then be below. So that way, by the time you hand in your lease, you're not over.
0: That's a really good analogy.
1: That's pretty strong, right? Yeah. So that's what it's like to eat is that we have this, we have this need. We have to eat every single day and we have to hit our calorie goal, but then we're over. So then we got to pull it back a little bit. And in order for us to do this successfully, we have to track our mileage, not just once a week, every single day and i'm telling you like you know occasionally like oh you know i'm just gonna go visit friends or whatever and then you go you're you're over Mm -hmm. and if you're not regularly checking you will find yourself to be over just naturally because we just tend to overestimate things so i believe that when it comes to nutrition and such i think pretend you're leasing a car you still got to drive but you got to make up for the extra miles that you have before you turn in your lease here so yeah uh, that's a i hope that helped out uh, well i've
0: found that uh Dole makes some makes a bowls now, and they're kind of small, mm-hmm. but that's been a really good substitute for dessert, and also like a dessert, breakfast, a snack. It's um, it's fruit and granola, mm-hmm. so I think the biggest intake of carbs is probably from the granola. Most of the sugar is natural. Mm-hmm. I would have to check the label. I'm not going to say right now that there's no added sugar. I don't know off the top of my head. You but- should
1: read our campfire analogy um, blog. I think I think it would oh, help yeah, out a yeah. bunch because you know. When it comes to understanding weight loss and 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 doing this correctly, you have to first identify what makes a food healthy, and then you have to identify what makes a meal healthy, and then you identify what makes a day healthy. And if you can do all three, which doesn't seem like a lot, it's simple. It's not too easy, you know? Yeah. Um. Just like our meditation practice. But what makes a food healthy is that it's rich in one of the macronutrients, proteins, fats, or complex carbohydrates. Simple carbohydrates don't fall into that. Bad fats don't fall into that. It's good proteins. Almost all proteins are good. Um, good fats and complex carbohydrates. So things like granola would fall into that simple category list, and we wouldn't really want them. Um, it's a
0: small amount of granola for <laughs> what it's worth. Well, that's why I say isn't it it's in a yogurt. No, no, there's no, no. yogurt. No, there's it's nothing just like fruit that. Fruit and granola. Yeah. Um. There we there's if you've never had a had an acai bowl I have had one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So they're they do cover a lot of those. Um, a lot of those bases. However, the size of the dole one in particular, it's pretty small. That's why I say it's better for dessert so that you can have more vegetables and protein, um, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like whatever car, whatever good carb source that you Mm want to take in. Right. And then this is eating fruit for dessert instead of like ice cream or cookies. Right.
1: It's a good substitute. And sometimes we, we have to do that. Like you're at the, you're on vacation and you're at the gas station and you're hungry. What do you eat? You know, do you have Snickers? Do you have Three Musketeers? Do you have M and M's? Right,
0: because it's all garbage, all that stuff that's in there. I go straight Kinder Joy.
1: Yeah, I don't even know what that is. That's just like the sticks that you would use at a campfire.
0: (laughs) No, that's um, uh, the it's it's like a hazelnut. Um, they make a few different balls. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. like the the eggs come with a toy in one side. So I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously that's. What I want because I love garbage, mm-hmm. but they also make like other, you know, hazelnut-filled wafer snacks and stuff. Yeah. They're very, um, Actually, they're very exotic to my American palate.
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean, we went to Aruba and those all those Dutch treats we just like yeah. pigged out on. Like all those cookies were great. They were way better than American cookies. So, um, so back to that kind of analogy. So proteins good fats, complex carbohydrates. So if we take the food that you're eating and then measure it up against it without any judgment, we have simple carbs, that's not good, but then we have those complex carbs from the fruits. So that, that would qualify that the simple carbs would not, right? So then what makes a meal healthy is, or a meal or a snack? So a meal is a big snack and a snack is a small meal, right? right. They should all be the same. It would have all three. So a healthy meal would have all three. So whether it's a meal or a snack, you would have proteins, fats, and good carbs every time you eat. So you're choosing to snack with this thing. So you're getting simple carbs, that's one strike. But you have the the good carbs, that's great, but you're missing a protein and a fat. So the best thing to do would be to take like a, a teaspoon, a small serving of peanut butter, and eat that with it. Again, I'm not saying that you need to make a Thanksgiving plate. I'm saying that you just need to make sure every time you consume food, you should have all three of those things. And the reason being is that they all have different energy values. So um, how quickly we'll get the energy from it and how long that energy will last. And if you have all three, you'll make a campfire. The campfire will sustain you with energy over a period of time. Because if you eat that fruit with the granola, the simple carbs are like the pine needles. They're just going to light on fire and just be out real quick and smoke and your body's going to hate you. And then uh, you're going to eat the good carbs and it's going to give you a burst of energy, but it's not going to be consistent. So then within an hour, you'll probably be hungry. You know, yeah. you'll probably want something. So, but if you have, a, again, a, a serving of the peanut butter, then that will uh, kind of help you persist. And, and so then a healthy day is just that. It's just a meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack, and that's it, you're done, right? And uh, by doing that, you're eating smaller amounts, especially if you're using real foods, less simple carbs, less processed stuff. You'll be eating less, but you'll be satiated way more than you ever were in your life. So I recommend you take a look at that to potentially help you with this journey because what we're talking about here is like you say, I don't have the motivation for exercise. I agree with you. Like your head has to be in it. Change can't come until you want it to come. So as I said in my blog, is that you can wait for COVID to be over, or wait for whatever excuse, or wait till your doctor says you're about to stroke out, or have your blood pressure go up, or you can just change. You, like you can just make that change, but you have to kind of you have to be ready. You have to say, okay, I'm I'm doing this, and uh, that's the hard part. Motivation is kind of like the little nudge to get the big giant moving, and so it's really more about just keeping the giant moving than it is about motivation. So it's more. Yeah,
0: I'll tell you, if I were having a harder time dating, that would be better motivation. What's that?
1: The nudge, the little guy. Or Tinder, what? I don't know. What did you say?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I said, if I were having a harder time dating, mm-hmm. then that would be more motivation. Oh, for you to
1: like lose weight and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah.
0: But apparently I just have such a shining personality. <laughs>
1: so you can, yeah. So yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, my uh, I, the, the story that was told in my house was that my dad was obese, like really obese. And he lost weight to get married, you know? So hmm. like, yeah, it's so that way you could attract a woman and then like, you just let it go again. So, <laughs> uh, that's what I heard growing up at least, but yeah. yeah my um,
0: dad was also very obese and he, um, I mean, he, he bagged my mom and she was cute back in the day. So yeah,
1: good for, good on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, um, that's me in a nutshell. I do want to kind of just do a little bit more commentary, a little ranty poo type do thing. It. Every time I make a COVID post, The guy shows up, Mm. right? The guy. And it could be a guy or a girl, Mm -hmm. but the guy shows up and they want to talk about how whatever I'm saying isn't factually accurate. They want to, they just basically want to trash whatever it is I'm saying. And they're always the same person. They have the same arguments. The liberties things comes up. The economy comes up right? They want to talk about what about the economy, right? And for me, like it is such a stressful kind of thing to try to have a level-headed conversation where we're being encouraging to people and get everybody to kind of rein in. And essentially like Bill Burr said this when he was making fun of Joe Rogan. I don't know if, Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen that, watch that. It's great. Joe Rogan is one of these bros that like thinks he's smarter than the world. It's what happens when you think having thoughts is the same as being smart.
0: Right. Right. Yes. And
1: and so he's just out there kind of like being a 14-year-old edgelord, right? And just talking about (laughs) life. And so he's talking about masks and how like wusses wear them and stuff. And and Bill Burr like has obviously strong feelings about the mask, but he doesn't go there because he doesn't want to like upset you know, getting that Mm -hmm. fight with the guy, Joe Rogan at that situation was the guy. And it just stinks. You're trying to have this conversation where Bill said, he's like, you know, what we're trying to do is to get 300 million people to do one thing, you know, and how intensely difficult that is. So whether or not you're a supporter of whatever stupid political party that is doing the facade of democracy that we have in this country, right? No matter what team you're on, what we would want is what's best for all of us, right? We would want a solid message that would unite us under like one banner. It's a lot to, to get everybody to do one thing. And we're, so we're trying to have this conversation, trying to put good into the world. It's not like I'm telling people I want them to eat dogs. Like I'm not saying like, go out, you know, coronavirus is crazy and you need to eat uh, three kittens a day. Like I'm not hurting other people. This advice is, is good information. And and the the answer, the response to it is something hurtful. Like yeah. it just, for me, it's so very frustrating. I think that I'm I'm just like, I, you know, with my shrink, I, I talk about my mental health all the time. So at the beginning he was saying, so many people are having difficulty coping with it. And what I felt was that I was having difficulty with people having difficulty coping with it.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, that I relate to. Right,
1: because I, I feel like, you know, the messaging you know we can say how different the messaging was but it was pretty clear this is real we're shutting down the nba yeah. <laughs> we're shutting down things that make billions of dollars the entire, shutting
0: down pubs right before st patrick's day right in
1: ireland like yeah. give me a break and like and like the entire world shut down i think it was like 75% of all school children yeah. globally were stay at home and and so it was a, a real thing
0: yeah when yeah. i first emailed my brother he lives in israel with his family mm-hmm. i didn't even ask him what they were doing. I was just like, how is your lockdown going? And he was like, uh, you know, the kids kind of wonder why we don't go out that much, but like, it wasn't even a question because it just affected everyone immediately. And the thing that drives me absolutely crazy is especially when it comes to the political nonsense is do people honestly think that the rest of the world faked a virus to influence American <laughs> politics? Like what the hell? Right,
1: They lost trillions of dollars I, for it too. Yeah. Get
0: out of here with that.
1: Well, and that's, and that's just it is that we are not saying hurtful stuff. We're saying like, we want, everybody to be safe. We unfortunately didn't handle it correctly. So now here we are and we have this mess that we have to clean up. So we're trying to get everybody to do. And then the the guy comes and says hurtful crap. That doesn't help the conversation. If you believe that the economy has to suffer, people are still trying to stay safe and not die. Oh, well, it's only killing 1% of the population. Well, I mean, you tell me what the line in the sand is. And if, and if we haven't heard already, it's, it's three months into this thing, four months into this thing, no, not even three and a half months into this thing. And we have more deaths than World War One yeah. in three and a half months. Like it's blown by the flu numbers for a year in, in three months. Like we can stop with the comparison and like the peeing contest, right? All this is doing is just putting hurtful stuff out into the world. Like, and it's, it's fine. Like get into your bubble, like I'm doing right now and rant about it. Like if you think that me and my message is soft or whatever, that's fine. But when you're talking to a group of people, like you want, to be uplifting, you want to give people hope and and know that it's going to be okay. Like the guy comes and just craps on everything. It's a pigeon. It just comes in, poops on everything, knocks over everything, and then just flies away. Yeah. And 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 it's like no matter and even if you try to be respectful, which I, again, like I don't want to be the guy that's just putting out my opinion and then not having a discussion. I try to have a discussion with people, but the but then it's like no matter what. Facts. It, it doesn't matter. the the, the conversation. It, it just it just kind of like just blows up, you know. And it's just this weird kind of place. And I just wish that people's like measurement for should I put this publicly or in a group discussion should be is this is this uh, going to hurt a group or is this going to help a group? You know, can we just use that as a measurement? Like, if it were true that the numbers were being over exaggerated in Texas, right? Let's take the thought to the final process. So are they being completely over-exaggerated where there's not, instead of 4,000 people, it's only 20 people? Like, is it that big of a deal? Mm. Is it half? Is it a quarter? Is a quarter okay? Is half okay? You know, like, so (laughs) if, if the numbers are being exaggerated, how does that help conversation. Right. And the question should be not, the numbers are exaggerated. It should be, why are the numbers being misreported? And why do we even have to question that in 2020? Why can't we just report the facts? Like we were talking about before with all of the science and the information, we should just have raw data, you know, and it it shouldn't be the issue. And so, you know, uh, oh, it's not going to kill one, one, it's only killing 1%. Okay. Well, there's 300 million people. So 1% of that, how much is that? 3 million people. Right. Good math. Dana. Good. And, yeah, uh, that's exactly what I got. Are we cool with that? Like the, the, like the city of Boston is like 3 million people, I think. Right. Or, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't, none of it helps. None of it helps. So Why is the guy is here. Why is the guy coming to the conversation and being unhelpful? Nobody wants to do this, you know? And
0: these are the same people because, you know, I've been working, um, you know, ancillarily to politics with other podcasts that I've produced These are the same people who were like up in arms about the Obama death panels. And now you're going to get to choose who dies. Like clearly your agenda is clear. You just want it to be your way.
1: And without getting into the political stuff, you can see threads of consistency for sure. Yeah. Deep into the person. I'm more talking about the superficial, like, you know, we were talking about the social issues. The guy shows up and then puts down stuff right? Like, so what does it help to say that there's looters and rioters? It doesn't help. Yeah, you can condemn violence and you could say that there's better ways to accomplish your goals, but then to just put out the hatred around that, it's just, it's like, we, we're we at a precipice, I believe. Um, social media, as I've said a million times in the show, is disgusting. Yeah. It's the bane of our existence. We all can choose to put good into the world, to sit silently, and which is as bad as putting hurt into the world. And I feel like when we come to these conversations, uh, you know, it, it, we want to engage our fellow man because it's there's a lot of this manipulation going on. We, the guy could be brainwashed, right? The guy could be manipulated by the propaganda machine. Right. And so, so, you know, and, and this is why our messaging has changed a lot over the past 10 years around supplements, right? We used to laugh at people and like, oh, that's silly, you know, and like, oh, that doesn't work, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and now it's, listen, we, you're a victim of a system, the propaganda, the information, all of that stuff is not your fault and you're making the best decisions that you can, so let's let's look at it another way. Instead of saying, no, you shouldn't take that because it's not mine, I say, yeah, that's not gonna hurt. I don't think there's anything there that could hurt you. Keep using it, you know? And so it's really about kind of shifting and I believe that a lot of us are there There needs to be way more of us and, and the people that are filling the role of the guy, really, I, you just need to take a look at yourself and, and like, listen to Dr. Dresdale on the podcast, because it's very clear to me that a lot of the, the guys out there, it's a gap between what they believe the world is and what the reality is. And the, the, the bigger, the difference, the bigger, the suffering, the bigger, the tension. And so a little meditative practice, I think the number one reform we should make, not police reform, even racial stuff. I think we should focus on the entire country, mandatory meditation sessions before school and after school. <laughs> we do that and in, in 10 years, we have a completely different populace, I guarantee it. And, uh, and so and in countries where they do that, they are different you know, and they do think differently. So um, that would be a very solid move from my, my perspective. So that is it for me. Do you have anything else that you wanna say? Do you have any thoughts on my ramblings there? You good?
0: Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I already complained enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, so that's it. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well and put good
0: stuff out of the world.